Curry with the shot, Ben cooking with the sauce, Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301, live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 77 of Curry in the Pot. Back again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back with another episode, and, and this time I got a, I got a really, really good episode. It's just a little different from, you know, my normal episodes, but it's good to be back again in the booth. Uh, I got I got a lot of stuff to talk about. I got a uh, NFL. We got Kareem Hunt back in the NFL. We got Antonio Brown uh, wanting out of Pittsburgh. We got Joe Flacco getting traded. I mean, nobody really care about Joe Flacco, but we got Joe Flacco getting traded. We got uh, the Lakers. They're just in disarray right now, losing to the Atlanta Hawks last night, losing to the Sixers, getting blown out by the Pacers. I don't know what to make of this mess. And we got Paul George, who's been making a strong MVP case. But before I get to all of that good stuff, I got a very special interview. And on the line via Skype, I got DC United's own. This man was the 12th pick in the 2017 MLS Super Draft. This is my DeMatha brother, class of 2013. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome my boy Chris Adoya Chim to the podcast. Chris, what's good, bro? What's good, Mike, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it, man. How you been doing? Uh, doing good, man. Doing real good, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, feeling good. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. Most deaf, most deaf. So for the people that don't really know you and they don't really know what's been going on, but you recently just just overcame and beat something this is amazing this is only god's work man but you are a survivor of stage two hodkins lymphoma man uh you know that's all god's work but for the people that mm -hmm. don't know i just wanted to let them know man you recently overcame this man mm -hmm. so big shouts out to you yeah thank you thank you yeah it's uh something i've been dealing with for like the past five months or so between uh finding the tumor in my chest and getting a couple biopsies to start a chemotherapy for the past four months. But, you know, I just finished my last treatment of chemotherapy two weeks ago. I'm already in remission and I'm feeling good. That's good, man. It, it was great to see you when I when I ran into you about a month ago, man. You looked like you were in really good spirits and we talked and, you know, th th this is how it happened, ladies and gentlemen. This is exactly how it happened. This is this can only be God's plan, to be honest. Sure. But I got some questions for you, bro. So my first question is, man, what were your thoughts initially when you found out that you were diagnosed with stage two of Hodgkin's lymphoma, man? What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, so from the point I got, uh, they found the tumor in my chest. Uh, this was probably about early September to when I was diagnosed. That was a crazy month or so. So originally I woke up one, one morning in September with some chest pains and soreness of breath. So my mom and myself went to the local Bowie Health Center where, you know, I spent about three hours there. And eventually they did, uh, you know, an MRI and uh, CT scans. And then they found a tumor in my chest, which is something that's crazy. But, you know, that's where it was. And uh, so, you know, moving forward from there, you got to get a couple of biopsies to see exactly what it is, what type of cancer and stuff like that. And then right. they uh, found out that was stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma so uh 
Yeah, when originally they found the tumor, uh, at first they said it could be benign or malignant. But, you know, I didn't want to be a pessimist or anything. But the way I was feeling the past year or so with different symptoms and stuff, you know, kind of affected my body. Uh, I, was, I was pretty sure it was going to be something uh, cancerous in my body. But so, you know, that happened to be the case. But, you know, I, w- I knew I was going to be able to overcome it and be able to beat it. So uh, I'm just thankful for you know, everybody and their support who's helped me the past couple months. And, you know, like you said, God is great and wouldn't have been able to get through it without him for sure. Most definitely, man. And, and you got your hair. You still got your hair, too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a crazy thing. My doctor, uh, before I started chemo, he was like, you know, that little bit of hair on your face and, you know, a little bit of hair on your head, you might you probably most likely lose it. You know, but I really wasn't worried about it. But, you know, that ended up not being the case. You know, I've kept all my hair uh, for the most part. You know, sometimes when I brush my hair, some hairs will fall out and stuff like that. But, you know, it was nothing that anybody could really notice. So. Right, right, right. So I read in an article. I don't know if it was by the MLS or I read it somewhere, but I read that your brother was your biggest help. Just talk to me about how he was such a big help through this very tough time. Yeah, my brother, that's my that's my best friend. You know, we're real close. We've always been close. We're four years apart. Uh, the thing with him, though, is when he finished, uh, when he graduated college, he moved out to Ghana. You know, that's where my dad lives. So him and my dad live out there together and uh, work out there. So, you know, when, they, when I got the news, I had the tumor in my chest and uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I told them and, you know, they came to this agreement on their own that, you know, my best friend should be here with me, helping me out through this process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he got on a flight over here and the actual day he came was my first day of chemotherapy. So, you know, he had his long flight here. He landed in Dulles, took an Uber to my house here in Bowie. And as soon as he got here, it was time for us to head out to to uh, Georgetown University Hospital where I've been getting my chemo treatments. And, you know, he's been there every every treatment with me by my side. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without him. So uh, I really appreciate him coming. And, you know, that was a blessing that he was able to do that. That's amazing, man. That's That's really amazing. So what did you learn about yourself throughout this entire process? Yeah, uh, you know, a couple of things. Um, I think one big thing was, is mental toughness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, going through something like cancer is it's definitely in going through chemo. It's going to be your body's going to be compromised, you know, physically. And another thing that can that you're fighting is your mental mentally. So, you know, having that's half the battle right there. So even when I was first diagnosed, you know, I was positive about it at all. Uh, trying to stay positive, knew that I was going to get through it and just believing that, uh, having faith in God that he would get me through, you know, he doesn't allow this to happen to anyone. And, you know, he allowed it to happen to me because, you know, I thought he thought I was strong enough to handle this. So, uh, I would definitely say mental toughness and, you know, this is just something that no matter what I do the rest of my life, you know, even if I even don't make it back on the soccer field, you know, I can always look back and say, man, I really did this. I really, I really beat cancer. You know, that's always going to be one of my greatest accomplishments in life. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So how helpful was DC United and your fellow teammates throughout this entire process? 
Yeah, uh, amazing. You know, the the support from everyone from top to bottom that they showed me throughout this uh, past couple months. You know, anything I needed, uh, everybody would always reach out. You know, that's teammates, you know, coaches, staff, front office, fans. I got a lot of messages and support from fans. And I can't even say just fans in the from D.C., but, you know, fans throughout the whole league. The right. whole us, you know, That's I got great. five messages and well wishes from them. You know, that really means the world. Uh, but yeah, anything I needed, DC, uh, United, the organization, they were there to help me. And, you know, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I, I don't think anything happens, uh, you know, for no reason. And I don't think it's a mistake that I was drafted by my hometown team. And when mm-hmm. I, yeah. That's, a, that's what I was, another thing I was going to talk to you about. Yeah. So not going through this and, uh, you know, having the support of my family and friends in this Maryland area, but also the support of my my team and my club, which is all in the same 10 mile radius, you know, it, it mm-hmm. means the world. And uh, definitely with no mistake that I was drafted here. Right. So on a lighter note, mm-hmm. talk to me about what made, you know, DC United the right fit. Obviously, they had a they had a closer eye on you than the rest of the league because you played mm-hmm. collegially at Maryland. So just talk to me about what made, you know, that the perfect fit for you. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you grew up a fan, went to countless mm-hmm. D.C. United games. Just talk to me about that. Yeah. So as I said, I grew up a D.C. United fan um, throughout my whole life growing up. I uh, just remember going to games at RFK as a little kid and, you know, seeing the players there. You know, I think everybody knows Freddie Adu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our coach now, Ben Olsen, they were all big time players with me growing up. You know, I just remember going down after games and having little balls, getting signatures from the players and stuff like that. And then, you know, I eventually got drafted by them. And, you know, I'm kind of in their position now. It's kind of crazy how it all went full circle like that. But, you know, like you said, I went to the University of Maryland and, you know, they pretty much had coaches or someone watching. You know, all my games, my four years at Maryland. So they they obviously knew the player they were getting. They were comfortable with me. And, you know, I was truly happy and blessed to be coming home and staying in the area to play for my hometown team. Most definitely. Most definitely. So I got to ask you the million dollar question. I think you know where I'm going with this. We talked about this briefly <laughs> when I saw you last month. So what is it like to be on the same team? As the legendary Wayne Rooney, what is it like, man? I got to know. Yeah, I get asked that a lot, but, you know, that's uh, it's a crazy it's a crazy experience, you know, playing with, uh, you know, a world legend like Wayne. Uh, you know, I, me personally, I grew up a Manchester United fan. So, you know, okay. growing up, I used to watch him, you know, playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. And that was my favorite team growing up. So, you know, he was one of my favorite players growing up. And, you know, just him coming in, you know, he's a real down-to-earth guy and a really hard worker. And, you know, that rubbed off on the rest of the team. So when he got to our team, we were in last place, middle of the year. We were last place in the East. And by the end of the season, you know, we had turned it all around. And he helped us turn it around to making playoffs and hosting the playoff game. So, you know, that just shows, like, the type, the type of person he is and player he is and leader he is, you know. One thing he really brought was a true, true great captain and leader and really brought the whole locker room together and had everyone fighting for for each other on the field. 
And, you know, you kind of I think everyone saw that big play he did against Orlando City where mm-hmm. he tracks down a player 50 yards, makes a hard tackle and then, you know, makes a great assist for the goal. And just seeing someone of his stature come here and play that hard for the club, you know, it makes everyone else want to play just as hard as well. And exactly. Great example. Yeah, great example. He's setting the tone for everyone else. So, you know, just seeing that and being around that every day, you know, it really changed the team around. And, you know, we're looking forward to starting this other year, this year, 2019 off right, you know, with him leading us uh, this season. That is that's really dope, man. You know, you grow up watching somebody and, you know, idolizing them. And now you're on yeah, the same yeah. team. That That's really that's really incredible. For sure. For sure. All right, Chris. So my last question is, how soon can we expect to see you back on the field? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I still have a couple more hurdles to get over before I make it back mm-hmm. on the field. Um, like I said, I finished my last chemotherapy treatment two weeks ago. So in another two weeks, I'll have my final PET scans and CT scans to make sure everything is good from that standpoint. And um and then also have a metaport in my chest that will probably have to be removed before I start playing again as well. And then once I get over those things, you know, kind of just work my way back into shape and uh, right. back condition and stuff like that. Hopefully get into practice. But uh, I don't want to set a real timetable yet, you know, a real mm-hmm. date. Because if I don't meet that, I don't want to be real disappointed in myself or anything like that. Absolutely. But, um, absolutely. Definitely like... Uh, Hopefully sooner than later, I'll just say that, you know. I don't yeah, wanna... yeah, just say that. That's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, that's all I got for you, man. I, I really, really, really want to thank you for coming on, man. From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. You know, this means a lot to me. I really do appreciate it. I, I, I remember when I saw you, you know, a month ago, you said you had no problem, man. Just just let you know. Yeah, man. Uh, anything for my Dematha brother, man. Uh, for sure, for sure. Thank you for thinking of me and having me on your show. And uh, thank you for your support as well. You know, when I came, when the news came out, you know, you were one of the first people to text me and see how I was doing and stuff like that. So I really appreciate that as well. Absolutely, man. Once again, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, I, I got to let you go, Chris, but really appreciate you coming on, bro. All right, thanks again, Mike, man. Have a good one. All right, guys. So I'm change of plans. Uh, I thought uh thought I was gonna let Chris go, but we talked a little off air. He said uh you know I gotta let him come on and you know talk a little NBA. So before before I get back to NBA, I gotta talk NFL. It's been a big week already. It's crazy. Off season is off season is crazy. The NFL off season is trying to get like the NBA off season, and not 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 as close, but they're trying to do some things. So the other day. Chris said he saw this too. Uh, Kareem Hunt is now back in the NFL. He's back with the Browns. Uh, first thing I want to say is, no, I do not condone domestic violence, but I do believe that everyone deserves a second chance. I'm sure Chris can agree with that. For sure, for sure. Everyone, you know, deserves a second chance. And I thought he would get a shot, another shot in the NFL. I thought he would deservedly so. You know, he's a remarkable talent. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I do not condone domestic violence by by any stretch by any means at all but you know he owned up to it admitted it was a mistake obviously he's going to get suspended and the contract that he signed with the browns is no guarantees at all so that's another move i like 
he, he's not getting it. No, nothing is guaranteed. He he can only make up to a million dollars. I mean, I no, I'm not. I don't mean to say only a million dollars like that. That's a lot to people like me, but I don't mean to say it like that. But you know these, you know these enormous contracts that players sign. But nothing is guaranteed. He signs a deal with the Browns for one year. Nothing is guaranteed. You know, there's obviously incentives and bonuses in there that he can earn. But nothing is guaranteed. I like the move. I like the, you know, I like the move by the Browns. The general manager, John Dorsey, is the guy who drafted Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. So there's obviously some familiarity there. And I just think it's a really good move. Uh, You know, Nick Chubb is still there. Good running back who had a great rookie season last year. It doesn't get talked about a lot. But he had a good year after after Carlos Hyde was traded. And, you know, he burst onto the scene. But Kareem Hunt, is, he brings another, you know, dynamic to that offense with Baker Mayfield. As I just mentioned, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson as well. And they also have Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. I think the Browns need another receiver on offense, maybe two. And that offense could really be potent. I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say it right now in February. I got the Browns going to the playoffs next year. They did finish in third place in the division, so they're going to get a third-place schedule. They're going to, you know, have some favorable matchups. So I, I like the Browns to make the playoffs. I'm saying this early. I'm saying this real early before the draft, before free agency. I think the Browns can make some noise. If they don't make the playoffs, they'll be right in the mix because they were really mathematically still alive at about week 15 to make the playoffs. Obviously, it was unlikely, but mathematically, they were still alive, and a lot of people you know, didn't predict or foresee that type of success for the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, a team that's been a laughing stock for quite some time. So I got to move on to Antonio Brown. Chris said he saw this too. Antonio Brown wants out. I know Antonio Brown has a bit of a, I'm not even going to say a bit, but he can be a diva. But all all star wide receivers are. Maybe not Marvin Harrison, but Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. Chad Ochocinco in his prime, he was a bit of a diva. Odell Beckham has been labeled a diva. I love Odell, though. He's been labeled a diva, though. But most talented star wide receivers have a bit of a diva to them. And he wants out, posted a video on Instagram, a little Uzi, now I do what I want, playing. And he wants out. He's saying he's open for business. And... If he wants out, the Steelers should trade him. They have to. This is this is obviously a guy who's a remarkable receiver. Probably, you know, the best receiver of the last, you know, four, five, four to five years. He's been great. He's been consistent. But if a guy doesn't want to be there, you got to let him go. It only creates a toxic environment in the locker room. There's obviously been some things from Big Ben and head coach Mike Tomlin that haven't been handled necessarily well. I think they got to let him go. I think they got to trade him. Le'Veon Bell, you see it with him. They're not going to get anything in return for him. So you must get something for Antonio Brown. This is a guy you drafted in the sixth round. He spent nine years there. I think you got to trade him. And you got to get something for him. You don't You don't want to lose him for nothing. You got to get something for him. Go ahead and trade him. Sixth round pick. Um, Since 2011, Antonio Brown is first in targets, first in reception with 821, 11,040 receiving yards. That is number one. And he also has 74 receiving touchdowns since 2011. He had 15 receiving touchdowns last year. He's been remarkable, but he is getting ready to turn 31 this summer. I say the Pittsburgh Steelers should trade him. 
I don't know about who they're going to trade him to. Uh, he said he wants to go to the 49ers. That's been well documented. But I think a lot of teams are going to get in the bidding for him. And the Steelers should take the best deal available. You know, hopefully he doesn't end up on the Patriots for a lot of NFL fans' sake. But <laughs> that, that, that could happen. But I don't think the Steelers... I don't think I want I don't I want, don't want to say they're not going to trade them into the same conference as them because the Steelers are still really competitive but and they're going to have to go through them but I think they're just going to do what's best for the team and what's best for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's what's going to happen. But like I said Antonio Brown is obviously an all-time great and yeah, I think the Steelers should trade him. So Chris told me he wanted to talk a little NBA. And last game, I was brewing. I, I, I can't even get my words out. I was heated last night. Last night, my Los Angeles mm, can't even see. I can't even get my words out. Oh my goodness! Last night, my Los Angeles Lakers, my beloved Lakers, lost to the woeful Atlanta Hawks. Now. This is not the Hawks team from a few years ago that won 60-plus games. These are the woeful Atlanta Hawks who currently are 19-38. and 38. Yes, I said it, 19-38. and 38. And they're terrible. They, they, they're a lottery team. They just drafted Trey Young, who has a chance to be really good. But they're terrible. The Hawks are 19-30, as I just mentioned. Only the Chicago Bulls... Cleveland Cavaliers, New York Knicks, and Phoenix Suns have a worse record. So that is a horrible loss. And we saw the Lakers get blown out by the Sixers the other day. And we also saw them get blown out by 42 points by the Indiana Pacers, who don't have their best player in Victor Oladipo. Chris, I know you heard about the trade rumors. I'm pretty sure the trade rumors have gotten to these young players. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. LeBron's body language is one thing. I think they do need Lonzo Ball back, who sets the tone defensively for this team. Definitely. But the Lakers are in panic mode. They're currently two and a half games out of the eighth seed out west, which everyone knows the Western Conference is a tough conference. Chris, what do you make of what's going on with the Lakers? Yeah, the Lakers are kind of surprising. You know, I think when everyone saw that, uh, their big win against the Celtics, you know, I think uh, and when Rondo hit that shot, they thought people would, they would kind of turn things around. But, you know, they had a tough game against. Uh, I, included, I thought I thought I thought this was the start of something. Yeah, you know, you know, that would turn everything around. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. It's tough for them to get a win against the Philly team. But, you know, for them to lose to Atlanta Hawks, I don't think there's an excuse for that. There's uh, no excuse for there's that. There's no excuse for that. Um so, yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, there's no way I can see LeBron missing out in the playoffs. I know they have the all-star break coming up. And, you know, I think they'll, as I think as he said, decompress and come back, you know, refocus. And, um, and then, you know, kind of make a run for the playoffs. I think what the Sacramento Kings are in eighth right now, if I'm correct. Uh, the, um, wait, are they? Hold on. The, yeah, they are in eighth right now. Yeah, and they're about... Two two games, two and a half games. Two behind. and a half games ahead of the Lakers. Yep. I definitely think uh, the Lakers will catch them for sure. God, I hope so. Yeah. But I don't know if you've been listening to my podcast recently, but I didn't ask for this. 
and what I mean by I didn't ask for this. See you laughing too. Everybody, everybody laughs when I say that. But I'm dead serious. I did not ask for this. And I asked for LeBron in this circus. And because let's say the Lakers lost to the Hawks and LeBron's not on the team. This mm-hmm. this this will not be the leading segment on any sports show. Yeah. It would not be. And don't get me wrong, LeBron is a great player. He's an all-time great. In my book, he's top three all-time. Great man off the court business mogul. Open his own school. I promise. I love it. But I didn't ask for the circus that exists with LeBron. I really wish me and LeBron could, you know, chat and talk about this so I can, you know, see where his head at. But I didn't ask for the circus that exists. All this, all this extra stuff, you know, obviously. When LeBron comes to a team, you're thinking automatically win now. And LeBron is 34. He's not getting any younger. So, obviously, these young players on the team were seen as pawns. And I just don't know, man. I got I got mixed feelings. I enjoy watching the Lakers more last year. I'm going to let you go. Chris. I, I enjoy watching the Lakers last year. Oh, I, I went to a, I went to the Lakers game in Los Angeles last year, sat on the third row, and I watched them beat the Celtics last year. I enjoyed watching the Lakers last year with Jordan Clarkson, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, who I miss, and I'm sure they miss. Uh, Brooke Lopez was on the team. Josh Hart, Isaiah Thomas was on the team. Second half of the season. I had more fun watching because it's just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. LeBron is great, like I just said, but I don't know. It looks like the players had more fun. It was more free-flowing and and stuff like that. I had more fun watching them last year. So you're not, you weren't happy when LeBron signed? I wasn't. No, I'm not going to say I wasn't happy. Obviously, it's great, but it's like if they would have make that trade for Anthony Davis... Yeah. It's like you're falling into the same type of trap that he was forcing the Cavaliers to do. Make this trade. Make that trade. And I'm just not a guy that wants to mortgage the future. Now, I would be fine if they gave up. If, if Let's say they made the trade and they gave up a couple of young players and a couple of picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. New Orleans Pelicans wanted all five young players, four first-round picks, and four second-round picks. Mm-hmm. I would not have been okay with that. Yeah, I think that I think that was definitely too much. But the official offer that they get they give was was it four players and then the two first round picks that New Orleans declined. Would you they have declined uh, and they asked for more? Yeah, would you have uh, would you have wanted them to do that trade? Uh, see me, I I love Lonzo Ball. I'm a big Lonzo Ball fan. I actually met Levar Ball. I don't know if you know about that. I met Levar Ball at a pop up shop in Virginia. Mm. Uh. But I, I like Lonzo Ball because I know a lot of people are waiting for him to develop. But, but but you have to let him develop. And he's a guy that does a lot um, that is not on this on the, that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. As I mentioned, when he was healthy, their defense was a lot better. Now it's a lot worse. He set the tone defensively. He was one of the best defensive defensive players in the entire league, especially from a perimeter position at guard. But I don't know. Uh, me, I probably would have liked to see like a Brandon Ingram, Evita Zubats, the guy that just got traded over to the Clippers. I would like to see Brand- probably Brandon Ingram, Evita Zubat, Josh Hart. And I would have gave him four first then mm-hmm. and four seconds then. 
probably a Contavious Caldwell, Pope Lance Stevenson, you would have had to throw into the deal as well. But yeah. they were asking for the Lakers to give up all those young players and take on a bad salary, which is too much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, at that so that's what Matt. Yeah, I feel you. But at the end of the day, like you said, LeBron's what thirty four, and mm-hmm. once you do make that decision to sign him, you gotta go for it all. And because you don't know how many years he has at playing at this top level, and we can get that generational talent like. Anthony Davis, for sure. Uh, I mean, that the, the action price was probably a little too much, but I do think you you try your hardest to to get AD, as I'm sure they did. But I don't think the Pelicans were really interested in, in making that trade in the first place. They're tripping, and then they weren't. I, I feel like they were just doing this all out of spite, and exactly. it, it it bit them in the ass too because. This is a mediocre franchise. They could have got a really nice collection of young players, and they still would have been in good shape because over in New Orleans, you have Julius Randle, Drew Holiday. Those guys are not in these scrubs. Mm-hmm. And you would have been receiving Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma. That's a pretty good team on paper. That's not a bad team. Yeah, for sure. All right, I so. That. Right. So, yeah, so the next, the next subject I want to get on is uh, Paul George and – He's been remarkable. He's been nothing short of outstanding. Paul George is a guy I've been watching since he came into the league. Mm-hmm. I got the receipts to prove it if anybody thinks I'm lying. This is for my audience. Anybody thinks I'm lying, I got the receipts. You got to ask Darius. You got to ask, you got to ask anybody. You could, I, I got the receipts on my Twitter. I've been following Paul George. Hey, Chris, I can't make this up. Yeah. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you how. So, you know, at the math, uh, over in the... Um, you know, the convocation center with a new mm-hmm. gym. Do you remember they used to have those magazines mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you go in? So in 10th grade, I went in there, grabbed the magazine. I was looking through the magazine and uh, it was like a little short article on Paul George. And it was like, who is Paul George? And I read it and I was like, you know, this guy seems like he, he could play. He went to Fresno State and he wasn't really talked about coming out in the draft that year that he came out. And I was like, this is interesting. I'm going to follow this guy. So then he started to emerge and emerge. And do you remember the days where he was on the Pacers and they would play the, the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals back when LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh were there? And him and LeBron used to go at it, if you remember. Him and LeBron used to go at it. And I was like, man, like, like this guy can ball. Like, I like this dude a lot. Like, like he has a smooth game, plays defense, too. I really like that. And... I've been watching him ever since, ever since, you know, that horrendous leg injury. He was able to bounce back. A lot of people, myself included, didn't know if he would come back and be the same player. But he's even better than he was before. Mm-hmm. And he's doing some historic things. He had a 47-point triple-double the other night. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have paused and asked, should Paul George be the MVP? Russell Westbrook has backed him up. Damian Lillard has backed him up. I don't know. I, I would say he's closed the gap. Definitely. I still think James Harden is the MVP because James Harden was doing a lot of good things when Chris Paul was out and he's still on this remarkable 30 point streak and the Rockets are playing right now on ESPN as we speak. Mm -hmm. But he's on this incredible streak and nobody has done such such a thing as James Harden is doing since Wilt Chamberlain. And Literally nobody has seen it because Will Chamberlain's games weren't on TV. So we're literally seeing history. The only way you could hear about Will Chamberlain is Googling it. And if you were alive and around back then listening to his games on the radio. 
So I think Paul George has definitely, you know, definitely made the gap a little smaller. But I still think James Harden should be the MVP. The guys averaging 36 points, and the Rockets were a, a bunch of games under 500 back when Chris Paul was out, Clint Capella is out, and James Harden. He's doing the same thing every night. Yeah, uh, I think I think you. They were probably at second and the last in the West at one point. Mm-hmm. I think around when he started his streak, and you know, to bring him up to where they fifth or sixth now in the West. Uh, was it thirty straight thirty point games? Yeah, got to get another one tonight. Uh, I my my pick for MVP is definitely still James Harden for um, sure. But so do you have Paul George ahead of Giannis right now? Uh ooh, this is tough. I think he's just past Giannis. Passed I would say he just passed him, but Giannis is definitely still up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so who wait, who's your team? You a Wizards guy? Yeah, for sure. Wizards fan. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. Uh whew. you like that they traded Otto Porter? Because I loved it. I if you were in my last episode. I loved it. Yeah, I think it was a great trade. Um, I mean, Otto, I, I really like Otto as a player. Versatile but not player. for that money, right? But the, the the max contract was a little bit much for him. And I think what we got back is definitely good. I'm a big fan of Bobby Porter's. I remember him coming out of uh, Arkansas. And uh, I think we had taken Kelly Oubre that year. At the time, uh, I, yeah, I was pretty yeah, Kelly mad. Kelly Oubre came out that year. Yep. Yeah, I, I was pretty mad because I wanted Bobby them to take Bobby Portis. But, you know, Kelly ended up panning out. Um, but, you know, getting Bobby now, you know, I think that was a great addition. I'm not sure if we'll be able to keep him, him or Jabari. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see yeah. if they can keep one, if not both. That's going to be interesting to see yeah. if they can do that. I, I hope I do like Bobby Porters, though. He he can stretch sure. the floor, something they lack. They just they just traded Marquis Morris, who can stretch the floor, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you definitely need somebody who can, who can space the floor in, in today's NBA. Yeah, I, I definitely like the trade, and I think the pieces we got back definitely were good. And they've shown well already so far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think they should tank tank for Zion but apparently they they still balling so I guess I guess hats off to them for not tanking and and still putting out a product on the court I I guess (laughs) I guess but uh ladies and gentlemen that is that is about it I I I really want to thank Chris for coming on and and actually sticking around Uh, my Jairus ain't do that (laughs) <laughs> Don't take the Jairus, but Jairus ain't do that. Uh, but but Chris Chris wanted to stick around and talk some NBA, and you know even drop some facts too. So Chris, thanks for thanks for the interview and thanks for sticking around. I'm sure my audience and me, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Don't mention it. Man. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is Mike Curry signing out. Episode number 77 is done. Peace.